welcome to episode 21 of the Live Motocross podcast. Now, we've got a bit of a, a special one for you this week. One, I've roped Mr. Callum Swan into coming and co-hosting with me. Callum? I'm here, here, loud and clear. Do you know what <laughs> blew my mind the most? Is that I, I thought it was live motocross. <laughs> that's, how, that's how dyslexic that I am. <laughs> so there we are. So the live motocross podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Well, every day is a school day. It is. You learn something every day. <laughs> Sorry, Gary. So uh, we've also got um, an extra special guest on uh, the podcast with us this week, um, affectionately known as Mad John. Uh, it's Mr. John Adamson. Hello, welcome. Hello, loud and clear over here. Well, as clear as Scottish can be, but definitely here. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, actually, just to give him some credit, we've just had a little chat before this, haven't we? And and I can understand him a lot of the time. And you live near Glasgow as well, don't you? Uh, well, yeah, I'm from Glasgow, but I live in Portsmouth now, so oh, maybe yeah, I've lost. Right. Okay. Maybe I've learned to pronounce my words a bit better. Yeah. Well, not, not better, just not Scottish, you know, we're all different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you're talking to a fellow Scot as well here. Be careful. I, I've got a little bit in me. I think we all have, haven't we? You know, you sit around everyone. Oh, I'm, I'm quarter Scottish, quarter Irish, and all that. Yeah, yeah. I get that all the time. My grand yeah. is from here, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I really don't care, mate. <laughs> yeah, are you a human being? Now that'll do. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, so to start off the podcast, we normally do a bit of a rundown. Um, of the riders' history, um, how they kind of got started in the sport. Now, John, from what I know about you, you started off pretty much just you and your dad, you know, rocking up to race meetings and that was it, was it right? Yeah, just until a year and a half ago, it's always just been me and my dad, just with a couple uh-huh. of bikes in a van and we went racing. So it's only in the very recent past that it's actually been, I've been part of a organization so to speak elevated very quickly though haven't you you know like because i can't like even me looking back i mean i never paid too much attention to the amateur stuff sophie but Mm. i I can't you weren't like a standout guy for me in my head i mean i don't know whether you did a lot of like scottish races things like that i mean you obviously would have done but you seem to have like gone from like being a little bit round the corner to sort of like you know now you're sort somebody that actually people talk about you know yeah, no, that's about right. I was nothing special in the amateurs or even had a few quite good results once we got into the MXY too, but mm, yeah, consistency yeah. was always a struggle. So it was just like in a, a good result and then nothing really to talk about. And then obviously I quit racing a couple of years ago. Well, I've only started back. This is only my third year racing again. Mm-hmm. So once I was once I was kind of in the MXY too, and went into the pro class, I did one season, and then I just went and did what normal eighteen year olds did. <laughs> just yeah. went away and, well, just well, lived like, a bit you know, of a party life, and then soon, soon enough that gets born, and then racing was everything. So, but you may as well have done that because if you haven't made it, like you know, Sophie, you've been around motocross mm-hmm. a long time. If you're not doing you know, GPs and stuff at the age of 16 and at the sharp end, then you are never going to be a millionaire or make yeah. really good money out of motocross. So you may as well live your life. You Absolutely, know, you know yeah. I mean, you probably did the right thing in, in my own. In, yeah, you know, not only thing. that as well, once I'd done that, it was done. I wasn't kind of caught in between 
do I want to ride motorbikes or do I want to go yeah. and party at the weekend? It was definitely that's done and then we're moving on to the next mm-hmm. thing and that was the bikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like oh, there was no do I want to go to my bike or do I want to go to my mates and get bevied mm-hmm. at the weekend? It was let's go yeah. and ride our bikes. This is it. So how did it start out for you sort of when you were younger? Is it something that you've you've kind of started riding later on in life or uh, no bikes have always been around for me my dad's got a motorbike shop in Paisley so mm-hmm. since a very young age they've always kind of been there and then my brother had motocross bikes so when I was three I got a shot in one and mm-hmm. it just progressed into when you were when I was six I started racing and then you just go right through all the classes until so you started riding at three that's young. Well, just in the back garden. And uh, literally, yeah, yeah. That's, I didn't, that's where my crashing started. I literally drove it across the garden, <laughs> straight into the fence across across the garden, and that was it. So, even so, from from the very first time riding a bike, I was crashing into fences, and then the trip in Italy, I was still crashing bikes into fences. It's, nothing, <laughs> it's kind nothing of stuck with you then. Yeah. Hey, you rode good. You rode really good. There, there's a strong field there. I mean, I'm telling you that that class was no joke, was it? You rode bloody well. Yeah, I like I hadn't even watched any of them, so I never even really knew who was who or what was what. I just went over and just helps there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I just went over and just for the experience, and I never really had any expectations. I just wanted if if I thought I'd rode well myself, I was happy. So, and then obviously as the week progressed, if the speed was good, so. Although I didn't get the result I wanted at the end, I was still happy with how the week went. Mm-hmm. So going back to sort of um, when you started growing up and starting racing and things like that, um, how did that progress into deciding you and your dad, for example, right, I want to go and do the British? Like at what point did you two decide that's where we need to go next? Uh, well, we raced in Scotland and um, it's always just like there was one or two fast guys um, and we were kind of winning quite a lot of stuff up here. And then mm-hmm. obviously once you've kind of climbed that ladder, you just look to the next one, which was obviously the British. So so we, mm-hmm. did, we never really, uh, I wasn't one of the kids that was doing the British in the 65s or anything. The first full season of the British I did, I think was in the, Big wheel eighty fives, which um, mm-hmm. so I kind of missed the the very small bikes. Yeah, missed the curve a little bit. I bet that was a shock, wasn't it? Going from Scotland to racing, you know that that sort of elite level, you know, with the eighty five. Oh, I just couldn't yeah. like in Scotland. It was just like people going and playing on their bikes, and then you went down south to the British, and it was like boys all crashing into each other and proper yeah, racing. Yeah, yeah. yeah a yeah. field where there's. Like the depth in field was just something, especially that then, totally especially when you did it. Like it was, um, yeah, really deep, wasn't it? Oh yeah, and I think some of the best racing as well. Like you see from the big wheel eighty five class, and that's not in it just in England. That's everywhere, isn't it? I mean, because it's that's where you are really trying to prove. Mm-hmm. That's where that's where when people are looking and going, right, is this kid going to make it, or is he just going to fizzle out? You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's where you got to get your foot in it and really get, get on with it. Yeah. I think people can like get, get that in their head a bit too much. Like I never did that anything until just recently. So yeah, which is unusual. Which is really unusual. Yeah. 
as you say, as you were talking about earlier, unless kids do have a ride now when they're so young, especially with the age limits in MX2 and EMX, yeah. unless they've got their foot in the door early, then on certainly on a world stage, they're probably not going to make that big an impact. But no. they're still, no. you can still make a, you can still play on bikes for a living in Britain if you're good enough, which... 100% you can yeah. especially if, you, if you're smart enough with, with how you sell yourself to you know sponsors and all that sort of things as well and then do your own bits and bobs on the side with coaching like a lot of the lads do there's, there's, without doubt you can make a living enjoying motocross yeah so there's race. different levels people say like you didn't make it or whatever but maybe you just didn't make it to the very elite level but there is only yeah. a very yeah. very yeah. very small portion that do that so Still be, a, still be a good life just in Britain or and doing the odd thing. Mate, for sure, for sure. Mm. And and people would dream to be at that, you know, being able to do what you're doing at, at the level you're at. You know, it can sometimes, the leap to go do MXGP stuff, like you had a taste of it this weekend. Could you imagine the cost of doing that every week? Like, you know, it's just not cool. it's not feasible without the... Without Astronomical, the, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we did it with Spinksy and and, and, I, and I saw the bills and it was frightening. Oh. Mm. And especially now with COVID makes it even more expensive when you're, like we were away and it's COVID tests every five days and there's four of us, so you're like 260 quid every five days in COVID tests. Those things go... No way. Yeah. It was ridiculous and there's just all, so I think we had to get three of them when we were away. So no, you're at, so you're like seven hundred another seven hundred and fifty quid just in COVID tests before you fling in all sorts of other that's, expenses. <laughs> that's insane. Sophie, have you seen how deep they go up your nose? Oh, stop it. Don't. I got oh, sent one yesterday to home God. and I literally opened the packet, looked at it and thought there was no freaking way that was going near me. <laughs> that's, that's deep, isn't it? Like, oh, it shocked me. <laughs> they definitely, they weren't shy in Italy either. I think there was a bit of a language oh. barrier. Just oh. rammed it right up there. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you have to do the little twist, don't you? Like, oh, mate, I, I, I was watching uh, Moto Spy the other night and Cooper Webb sat there in the car one so deep. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I didn't realise they were that long. Mm. Nah, gives me the EBGBs if I'm honest. Not for me. <laughs> Not for me. <laughs> so um, moving back to you then, John, what's happening in your world? What have you been doing? Uh, well, I just got back home yesterday. Yeah, mm-hmm. or Monday just from Italy. So it's a bit of off time for me just now, just a week off. And then we're going, I'm moving down to MX2 next year. So go back mm-hmm. down and start the, because the season's ran on so late, it's, we're pretty much starting our off season training next, in a week's time. And then, so the, like the fitness training in a week's time before we head out to Spain, hopefully through the winter mm-hmm. uh, and, and get some bike time in the MX2. So we're going to do the ACU British Championship on the MX2 mm-hmm. bike and hopefully see where we can place in that. It's mega. Yeah, that is cool. Are you gonna have to cut a bit of weight and stuff? <laughs> yeah. What are you trying to say, Sonny? <laughs> well, no, I know. I mean, like, seriously, man, it helps. <laughs> on MX two bike, yeah, I know. Josh got down to a really lightweight when he was doing EMX. Like, he, he was almost ill with like, you know, like with cut, trying to cut as much yeah, weight yeah. as you can. And it, it, it is, um, I think, it is a, a natural factor in it. But yeah, I'm quite it, sure. Any, you want to make it? I suppose. 
Yeah, I'm quite short in stature, so I'm not the heaviest bloke anyways. But yeah, yeah, maybe maybe stay away from the square sausage when I'm up the road. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that stuff. I was going to say, do you even know what it is, Swanny? Oh, I love it. Yeah, it. yeah. It's just pure, like, pornography in a sausage. I just love it. Like, honestly. If I'm in Scotland, mate, I'm having one. Like, flat out. Love it. Good stuff. Oh, God. I think we have it on back order at our house. Like, the freezer's just <laughs> stuck full of it. It's so good, isn't it? Yeah. So, um, obviously John, just back from Italy, um, give us a rundown on what that was like for you lining up with them boys. Did you find it pretty daunting or not? Um, I wouldn't say daunting. Um, to mm. be honest, I just sat in the line and I knew that I was there because I'd, because of my results and I'd worked hard to get to that space. So I sat in the mm-hmm. line thinking that I should be sitting there as much as anybody else. So I went to see yeah. I was more just excited and really looking forward to seeing how I just like the whole big event. It was just I don't know, unless you've been there, it's just something quite special. Just sitting there yeah. just knowing that this is a kind of big stage and it's where you've always dreamt of being. So well not quite the biggest yeah. stage, but you still it's you're in the mix. It's the yeah, same definitely. thing, isn't it? You get the you get the the atmosphere and all that sort of stuff. It's all the same. And and to be fair, it must be quite unusual. It's a lot more daunting, I imagine, if the hillsides are filled with people uh, and there's all Tim Geyser fans everywhere in yellow shirts and stuff. That <laughs> <laughs> so I suppose you, it's a shame that you didn't get that taste of the you know of what it is like when it's when it is full and packed out. With yeah, people, yeah, definitely. Still, Italy, Italy especially was just like the setting there was absolutely <laughs> spectacular. It was just yeah. such a yeah, nice place. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? Even even if the track probably didn't suit me the best, but like as a GP, the surrounding and just everything that goes with it was it's definitely one on the calendar that you would go and visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's more to that place than just the track, isn't there? It's, it's the absolutely, it, yeah. It's the aura. And so I've never actually been there. I don't know whether you have, Sophie, but from looking, it's just it looked phenomenal. Yeah, we went over last year to um, was it last year? Year before for the Junior World Championships that were at that track, and it's it's really weird. Like I don't know if you noticed this when you went, John, but it's like a really weird, not weird actually, quite a nice vibe about the place. When I got there, you just think, who decided to put a motocross track all the way up here? It's <laughs> yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, you would never expect them to hold. It's just a quiet little town. You would never expect them to hold such big events mm-hmm. there. It's bizarre, mm-hmm. isn't it? It must take, but looking at the dirt of the track as well, it must take so much prep to get that, like, good to that level. Yeah. Mm, and, like, people, uh, after my crash, people say, how did you knock yourself out? It doesn't doesn't even look that big a track, but underneath that ground, underneath that kind of loose soil on the top, it's as hard as tarmac. So yeah, it's, the ground's off. absolutely stoked and hard. And mm-hmm. yeah. Now we did have a little bit of a chat before we started recording actually today <laughs> about mm. your uh, your nickname of Mad John. <laughs> now you are known for being a bit of a crasher, but it seems to be your response to crashing afterwards that's earned you the nickname of Mad John. Is that right? Uh, yeah, well, I just 
I don't know, after you have a big <laughs> crash or something, you just seem to, I don't know what your body releases, but it must be an adrenaline buzz or something. <laughs> so when you jump up and smile or have a little laugh, people seem to think you're not right in the head. <laughs> but, don't know. Oh, God. I think, that, yeah. But <laughs> I don't think any of us are quite right in the head, are we? So... <laughs> Yeah, no, this is no, very true. You're doing that, yeah. I mean, like that's. Um, I can relate though. It, it, <laughs> I can relate. It's a. Uh, it's one of those bizarre things, isn't it? When when it's it's the fear of actually something crazy happening to you, and then you're like, "Well, God, I'm all right." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's what um, I, I say to people as well. That's what makes motocross exciting. The danger part of true. it. If yeah, you were going to yeah, crash yeah. and be all right every single time, then it'd be slightly boring, wouldn't it? That's well, like playing a PlayStation game, wouldn't it? You know, yeah, what I mean? the danger and the risk of hurting yourself is the exciting part to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got a story about something on those lines, I need to tell you about it afterwards. So. Oh, you don't want to drop it in now, no? Oh, I can do if you really want to. It, it's how it's how I first became uh, good friends with Josh. Uh, we, was at, we was at Ma- uh, Mallory Park. I don't, can you remember Mallory Motocross Track, John? No. No. no, it was really, really hard packed. And the guy that owns it, he was watering the straight. So like you come back and you loop back down the straight and and it was really long and fast, like fourth gear. And he's just got this flipping massive hose and he's just soaking it on a summer's day. And I hit it and just slipped, like slipped and went flying, mate. I was fourth gear, full full chat. I went flying, but gamboling down the straight, ended up on the other side of the track. Josh stopped and was like, you all right? And I was like, Fucking hell! <laughs> it, was, it was one of those moments. I was like, "I'm not dead!" Oh my god! Like, how? And, and, I, and I was really excited, and that's how we sort of met, and, and then how we got talking. So I can really relate to that sort of feeling, John. Where you're like, "I had that oh moment." Oh my god! In Italy and qualifying, yeah. we're coming down the first big downhill. I, I was on a qualifying yeah. lap, and I, I went for a tear off, and then. Because I'd been roosted off the guy in front of me, missed the handlebars, went into a big tank slapper, shot oh through. My. I seen the metal fence catch fencing coming round Italy. They've got like these big steel poles with metal catch fencing in between. I seen that coming. Still didn't have my hands on the handlebars. Oh so my I just, god! So I sat back off the bike. The bike smashed through all the catch fence, and and just as that was happening, a little guy and his official, a little official on his moped was driving past. So I managed to smash through the catch fence and crash into him, go over the top of him, <laughs> and and I was. You did it. Yeah, I was all I was running about. I kind of jumped up. He gave me the thumbs up, and I just took my transponder and ran away before the medics could come over. <laughs> got, this, got this spare bike and went out and qualifying because <laughs> it was, oh, it was some mess the front of the bike it's the ones it's the ones that go on for so long though isn't it you know like oh. when you, you're rolling or or, or or it's just happening for a long time you, <laughs> the amount of adrenaline building I had enough time great. to see the guy the expression on the guy's face before I had <laughs> But it must have been been only a split second, but as you say, it seems to go on forever. Oh, God. Yeah, it's it's what they call flow state, isn't it? Where people can go to, like, everything slows down a little bit, doesn't it? It's flipping crazy. Crazy. I love it, though. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen this as well, but um, I think you have actually, Swanee. There's a a post been flying around this week on um, social media about the whole... Uh, wage thing and lads, you know, 
Did you yeah. see it yesterday? Yeah, I saw that. But um, Gautier Paulan's really yeah, yeah. revved up about it, isn't he? Mm. He's literally just dropped the bomb on everything and saying yeah. lads are getting paid nothing for what they're doing for their riding. It's shocking, mate. It really is shocking. I think uh, we we all need as a as a community to sort that out because it's just mm. it's just flat out wrong, isn't it? Absolutely. It seems like, you- it seems like even in Britain, help to get like not even getting paid, but just getting stuff to promote, like mm. see even a set of mm-hmm. boots or whatever helmets. Even just to get that sort of stuff for free now is an ongoing yeah. battle. It's difficult <laughs> unless and let it, it's like they don't even really care about your results now. It's more your social media following. Social media, social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've been really looking into this and looking at how ways how riders can help themselves and fixing it. And some mm. people don't agree with me, and, I, and I've and I've looked at a lot of things, and and I think it's the riders' fault. Say, John, you're sponsored by um, I don't know a shop. Let, 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 let's say you, you, or, you know, like Gabriel or whatever. Gabriel. Yeah, yeah. Now, you you should, as a rider, they, they should provide you with an advertising budget for your social media. Now, so, yeah, absolutely. Or, or, so you sponsor posts for them from your social media because it will go out to a bigger reach and bigger following than their social media, and then that is a quantifiable reason to act, to sponsor somebody. Mm. And, and I really think that riders need to start modernising the way they think about about that and and how to have a pullback from you know their using their database basically to get to get mm-hmm. feedback and to to push people towards um, the right areas you know like whether yeah. it's Alpine Star boots or whatever. That's what I've done with Giveaway Life, Sophie, with Tommy. I don't know if you know. Yeah, yeah. Used, we've we've used Tommy's social media to do all our advertising. Because mm. why would we use ours when he's got 120,000 followers? Exactly. Like, and we've paid him for it for the week. But like, it's... The thing is know. as well, like every company, like we had this conversation the other day with someone about every company will have one, a marketing budget, yeah. two, an allowance for product, things like that. There is always that buffer. And even the smallest companies will have that sort oh, of, of budget. Of course they do, yeah. But it's almost like one, I think riders are probably if not a little bit scared to even ask that question or one, they don't know how to go about doing that or two, they think, Oh, well they're giving me three sets of kit for the year. I don't Mm. want to ask them for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, because you don't want to push your luck. Because next year you might, you know, you think, oh well, if I, if I take the piss, I'm not going to get anything. But it mm, really mm. needs to. People need to look at like like for Bill Bates, for example, pulling out of Thorpe's team. Yeah, not, I took, not, I, that was a shock to well, me. I'm not surprised because how how does Bill Bates? How the hell can they quantify what they're getting back from doing that? If you're mm. an accountant in, in Bill Bates and you go, well, what are we? How is this? How are we making anything from this? What's like? Where, where, and they're like, well, I don't know. Like, mm, mm. but if Bill, if the team had their own website and there was a link to Bill Base and there was like a ten percent code or something where you get a discount on your building supplies and stuff like that, and then they yeah. encouraged all motocross riders to go through that link to buy their building supplies, then mm. Bill Base could look at it and go, oh look, we get fifty grand a year from that link. Mm-hmm. That's worth sponsoring that team, you know. So it's all. I think it's down to us as a community to really think yeah. and wake up about how we how we're using sponsorship and stuff absolutely but then ultimately it's unfair really because it gives you lads like you john another job to do with other than training and riding your bike which is the, the downside to it yeah i was just lucky with simon that he's 
well, I've never really been good at the whole social media thing. I just went and rode my bike <laughs> and that yeah. was about mm-hmm. it. So I was just really lucky with the right time, right place and a team that I seem to get along with well. Because he seems like uh, a nice guy, yeah. Yeah, he's just he's just in it for the sport, which was brilliant for me. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think there's lots of riders that get a lot of stuff just from as you say, and having a huge social media following, which is totally mm. understandable from those businesses. Uh, yeah, because yeah, you, get, you get their product out to a large number of people. Mm-hmm. This is it as well. I think a lot of the time people forget that one, social media is free. Yeah. You know, riders, have, riders yeah. have got a free tool to market themselves you haven't then got to sit there and think oh I've got to pay to put that post out unless obviously you start the whole boosting situation and that's another ball game yeah but I think sometimes riders they kind of just obviously they just want to go and ride the bike that's all they want to do of course, of course yeah. but I think some of them need to kind of sit down and maybe look at stuff and think well this person is giving me x amount of stuff or that amount of support Mm-hmm. like it works both ways like I work with brands personally for stuff whether it's in kit you know motocross kit bike leathers mm-hmm. jewelry random stuff yeah but I the first thing I ask that person when they come to me and say do you want to do something I was like well what can I do for you yeah what yeah, can I sure. give back and I think sometimes riders maybe don't think that way. They're all kind of quick to take stuff, but yeah, yeah definitely. And, and, and I don't and I don't blame them either. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're doing yeah. a hard enough job just competing at that level. Yeah, yeah. And that's why you know it is. That's the that's but, but the problem is there's not always going to be assignment there. You know, no, the, who's not. passionate about, who loves motor like I. If I had, if I had all the money in the world, I'd throw it into a t- you know GPT. I, I I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. But there's not, you know, there's not everybody is paying yeah, a lot of folk example, want a return you know. from it. As you yeah, say, if they are giving you free kit or whatever, they want some sort of return. And yeah, as yeah. Sophie said, it's good to ask them up front what they expect in return because it's very That's rare that you. That's a very good thing to say, yeah. Very it's very rare thing. you get something for nothing. It's always give and take, isn't it? So. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's like just that the way it works, like isn't it? Yeah. And I, like, I always try to explain to people that people ask me, they're like, oh, well, how do you start working with brands and things like that? Drop them a message. That's what social yeah. media is for. Yeah. Drop them a message. Even if they don't want to work with you right now, it might be a case of you've planted the seed then. So yeah. for example, riders at this time of year where they're looking for you know new deals or new rides or all that sort of stuff, it's really important to start planting seeds. Yeah, and, and also you can say, okay, I, yeah, I understand that you can't help me now. Is there anything that would change that? Like, what could I do? Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to have more following? What do, what do you want me to do? Like, mm-hmm. because I need to know, you know. So then, yeah. you know, someone that gives you a little bit, right? Okay, I'll go away. I've got I've gone charged up to get three thousand followers somehow over the next twelve yeah. months. You know, you can do it. Like it's it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's it and it really upsets me, like John, and you know that you have to do that. It's yeah, wrong. it's the sort of thing mm-hmm. that used to annoy me. You used to think well, why is this guy getting all this and you can go yeah. and beat him week in, week out? But if you look at it from the supplier's point of view, if they've got 10,000 Instagram followers or you yeah. can see why their product gets seen by a lot more folk. 
and a lot of the mm-hmm. a lot of the time people just buy stuff because it's cool or whatever. So if they see it on Instagram that looks nice, and they can order it there and then. It's yeah, yeah. Especially if you have like a swipe up and all that sort of yeah. stuff, it can um, you can really use those tools effectively. You know, like especially for someone with a few followers. It's, Me and my dad um, used to have this argument all the time, and I was I would just tell him I don't care. All I want to do is go fast. <laughs> but yeah. that was probably the probably the wrong attitude to have. But there is that element of that. I, I can't remember. I just what told. People... I used to just tell him you'll get noticed if you're at the front because he would always say, "Oh, you'll get noticed on social media." And I would just always say, "If you're at the <laughs> if you're on the podium, you can't not get noticed." I think it's Heyman at the minute. I think Charlie Heyman. I'm pretty sure. I don't know whether he has Instagram or not. He may do. I'm not. But like, I was like, why? I know there's one of the big wheels. I, I definitely noticed at, at the MX Nationals. I was trying to find him on big on Instagram, and I was like, why have they not got Instagram? And I was thinking to myself, I really just want to put my heads in my hand and be like, you, like you are missing a massive trick. Oh, definitely. Like, yeah. You are gonna literally ruin your career because no Which one is knows crazy you are. that that's. That, that needs to be the case, but yeah, mental, absolutely mm. mental. But it's just, mm-hmm. it's part of it now, isn't it? It really, yeah. is. and in in America, I mean, like there's evident a lot more fans because you'll see like a rider go from you know Europe to America and they'll get like fifty thousand followers, you know, yeah. like because they'll go through their their media outlets. But their media outlets obviously have a lot more reach than our outlets do. It's all mm. it's all a big chain, isn't it? Like uh, like a snowball effect. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we all need to get better at it. Maybe, maybe that could be our new venture, Swanny. We start doing classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah, riders. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm game. <laughs> I'm going to up get myself again then for the for Instagram <laughs> and get some followers. Hey, I will manage your Instagram, mate, for twelve grand a year. Like we can do a deal, thousand pound a month. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised, you know. That's what some people charge. Yeah, oh. serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've had people message me saying we'll do this program on you, and you can tell us all about your career and stuff, and we'll film you. And then it's like uh, it'll be four to six grand, and I just think, well, I could have a new bike for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what, they're literally the genuine choices you have to make. You know, yeah. but by doing that, someone might buy you a new bike. I know, but yeah. You know, yeah. That, like, that, that's the risk. <laughs> like, that's the chance. Yeah. Well, if you go in with your six grand, you can 100% buy your new bike. <laughs> 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 that's someone going to buy me. That's true. Yeah. So, John, obviously, um, we've touched on slightly about what you're getting up to in the next next few months, but um, what's the plan for you next year? What have you got going on? Um, well, i just seen that the ACU have released their dates, which I think it was an 18-round championship, which so <laughs> that's going to take up most of our year. But, yeah, we'll be doing MX2. And, well, Simon really enjoyed the EMX Open, and he would, I think he's keen to do some more of them but I've seen the mm-hmm. uh, we're not too sure yet we just need to wait and see what gets released but in Britain yeah. it's going to be MX2 and mm. so looking forward to a new adventure I think, that. I think people are going to be gagging to get out and to watch the motocross you know like at, at, like we've all been cooped up for so long mm. <laughs> I just want to see 
people <laughs> in, one place, <laughs> in one place. Yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, yeah. And it's I don't it's need, mad, I don't, isn't it? Yeah, strange. Come on, like, get this vaccine out quick. Stop mm. messing about with it. I want to get it's, out of the house. Almost, <laughs> it's almost like I had this conversation about how you know, people, like you say, they might be keen to get back to a track and watch, but now obviously everyone is going down the live streaming route. The content that's being created at racing seems yeah. to be, it's the game's been stepped up. So we've all had is, to, haven't we? We've had to. Yeah, exactly. There's been no, there's been no like the MX nationals last year. There was no option mm. to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Like it was. But yeah, then, yeah. is that is that gonna then counteract people coming to actually watch on the weekend? Do you do you think do you think that we'll still get the same amount of numbers, yeah, or do you think people can obviously just sit yeah. on the sofa at home and watch it? I like do, I don't I think, know. I, I or do you? Yeah, you go, John. You for go a lot of folk, it's a weekend away as well, isn't it? It's almost like a mini mini break or a mini holiday, mm-hmm. and there's uh-huh. nothing like going to a live event. So, no, I don't no. think people. I think if they miss it. Like if they've got a busy weekend, you can catch up on the TV, but I don't think it should affect it too much. I think yeah. the people, Sophie, who used to go anyway and always be there mm-hmm. are, are not of the generation of people that would just log on and watch it online. That's how yeah. I feel. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like I think that we'll always have that group of people who want to be there, like myself. I, I want to spell it. I want to be there. I want to talk to the guys. I want to, I want to live it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think it could attract outside people in as well because they see it on the TV, and they've probably well, a lot it. of folk have never seen motocross before. So no. they kind of like when I t- if I tell somebody I do motocross, a lot of people, especially up this way, haven't even heard of it. Especially yeah. like a lot of my friends watch the MX fr- well fr- Italy on the MX GP TV, and they mm-hmm. all want to come, and they always say whenever you're racing close, tell me where it is and we'll come and watch. And that's just from them watching yeah. on TV because they never, nobody really has a real understanding unless you've been and seen it or you've watched it. People just think it's, it's like driving motor, motorbikes around the grassy yeah. field. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> difficult. And it's a difficult difficult sell to TV as well. Because I've, I've said this to a lot of people before. I see, you know, Longo, I see his vision of making this MXGP class and then the feeder class MX2. Because can you imagine, right, you're John who just loves watching sports on a Sunday and he watches, you know, British superbikes and stuff like that. And then you've mm. got the motocross on and you're like, fucking hell, I've got to watch. I've got to watch four hours. I've got to watch two yeah. hours of MX2, two hours of MX... What the fuck? I'm not watching that. Like, oh, there's I'm so much hour. Bike. Yeah. Like, like, there needs to be... The only thing that goes onto TV needs to be, like, the super fight. It should be, like, a super final MXGP race on a weekend. Yeah. So there is other races, but then there's one race that's televised, and it's, and it's put into an hour slot where you've got all the build-up and all that shit. And it's a fucking super final and Mick from next door can watch it while he's eating his Sunday dinner. You know, that's the <laughs> only way you yeah. will get motocross in, to fit people to captivate it because it's just too much for anyone who doesn't like it. You're like, fuck it now. Even when you do it like now. it, it's like God. by the time you've watched the AMA, the MXGP and you set a full, a full day aside, yeah. It's <laughs> fucking mad. Like it, it, it is, it is mental. How the, uh, I and I can't see it how it's viable like that. Well, in America, they only showed the second motos mm. on the TV. You know, like that's because it makes sense. Mm. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's my little rant over with that. <laughs> <laughs> and can we put your phone on silent, please, Mr. Swan? It's not mine. Uh, yeah. No, it, it was, it was it? It was mine playing through the it's linked up to the yeah, laptop, see, so it was playing through. I told you. <laughs> yeah, it was like me. Soz, I'll take that back. You've got me looking at it now. <laughs> um, so obviously we've got a, a new promoter for the British Championship Series, which is going to give things a little bit of a shake-up, hopefully. Um, John, what do you think could be changed with the British sort of from previous rounds? Um, well, it looks like there's going to be kids in there next year, doesn't it, I think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know if it's... Is, does MD know how that's working yet? Yeah, so we're looking at... Um, we're still trying to work out a format at the moment with that. But um, a few of the rounds... I think there's going to be nine British rounds, so that'll be adults. Right. Um, and you you won't have sort of like autos and 65s. So it'll be from 85s up. So it'll yeah. be very similar um to what's been going on but they wanted to create i think more of a feeder class so similar to what's been going on with um the mxgp stuff but i think combining obviously having the kids there and the adults it will one give the kids a bit more drive to look towards where they could be in the next few years but then also the the adults and stuff that are there, they'll be able to give a bit more feedback back to the kids. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on it? What's my thoughts on the mm. kids being there? Like, yeah, because it's been it's been very mixed. So, we've had a few riders say they don't think that they should be there. We've had a few riders really keen for it. Um, I think if they're on the Saturday, uh, it's mm-hmm. it's fine. But like. For example, we did the MX Nationals this year and mm. it's a long day. Like, if you're yeah. a spectator coming to watch that. <laughs> you, you, it's a long day for you, is it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's obviously, it's it's great that everyone's got their own classes and but I think for a main British championship, if you're a spectator coming to watch that, the spectators really want to come it's and watch it, the big it, bikes. It's tough, isn't it? So yeah. when you've got yeah. to two-hour break in between or whatever it is, it's... Even even myself, sometimes you feel like I could almost go for an afternoon nap in between the races. So... <laughs> it's a big gap, isn't it? It's a lot, yeah. it's a lot of filling in. But you can see well. you like, can see why they, they have all the classes and it gives everyone a chance. So I think they do a good yeah. job. But for us, from a spectator's point of view, like... I don't them, know if you'd have quite the big... The, the, quite as big gap though at the British would you because you, you haven't got like as far as I know Sophie you're not going to have like Krugman mm. classes and things like that are you and all that sort of stuff um, I think there okay. might be but there won't be as many as, as yeah, like what like there is at MX, MX Nationals yeah. yeah so I think they've just tried to simplify a lot of stuff yeah but then you've got a load of kids as well haven't you I, I can see where I can see where where uh, John's coming from it's mm-hmm. just hard to get it is nice as, as I think as the kids point of view John it's yeah. brilliant for them because they can see they're like oh god that's my oh, yeah, 20 definitely. seconds on his lap like yeah. shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. and also the track the lines and how the track will develop as well like on, on the on the Sunday it will be um, 
it'll be way different to what they've written. I think that's what's good about the MX Nationals as well. It sort of mm. drags them on a little bit. Because uh, like, I think as stereotypical like BSMA tracks, uh, when it was just the kids, it would be... Um, the More track reform completely did. It would, yeah, it'd be, no, it'd be no, nothing like when you've got the, the big bikes going around. Yeah. I'm not too sure about that, but the answer is... Um, yeah, but, it's tough, isn't it? There's pros and there's cons, isn't there? Mm. There's always, so you know, you're always going to be in the middle ground, aren't you? I think. Mm. Defo. Yeah. So um, heading into next year, team wise, you're obviously sticking with the same guys, John. Yeah, still with Gabriel KTM member, staying oh. on KTM machinery. Yeah. Oh, lovely. That's good. Well I know. Done. Did you see? Um, Callum last night about this swap round with cab screen. Yeah, Yamaha. Yeah, I didn't see that coming, did you? No, I didn't. No, I had no idea. Um, I, I think they've been struggling to get funding from Honda for not just for the last few years. I don't think they've had mm. anything, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And then with obviously Honda selling, Honda and all the Japanese manufacturers selling record numbers of bikes, have decided to uh, cut, um, cut budgets to teams, which is such a, mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the sense in the world the whole power sport industry has done so well out of covid that they've uh, decided to uh, cut riders budgets and and yes yeah, just makes so much sense Greedy yeah D-U-N-T does, syndrome springs to does mind. not make sense at all it's a, it's a fucking joke and i don't i don't, I don't care who's <laughs> listening if you're part of it you are a fucking joke and it's just not fair. it's not fair on these riders if I'm honest. I know it's like you get, you go out there <laughs> to make that product you make go out there and make the product look good or people see you at the track and then you get virtually nothing back. Like yeah, it, it seems like joke, it, it seems like the whole budget's taken up by one person and yeah. or like one team get mm. like well, for example, you were mentioning Honda. And yeah, mm-hmm. well, we all know where the, we budget know, where the Honda budget goes. So yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and that just happens consistently, doesn't it? And then Honda at the minute, I think they're even cutting back for those guys, and they're cutting back for everybody. And it's just like an MXGP and all of that. Everything's being cut back. Yet all of the like, like if you speak to RFX or Pico, everybody has has outsold any other year that's ever existed in everything. Mm. There's more mm. money that's coming to power sports than there ever has been. I mean, I get that they need to put reserves because we don't know what's going to happen next year with the economy and things like that. But fuck me, like, come on, Look, yeah. Marty, what's what is happening? Yeah, it, it's it's a joke, really. And like Paulan was saying in that rant the other day, what you were mm. alluding to earlier, um, you know, there's riders paying hundreds of thousands of euros for these. You should not be able to pay in any circumstance to have a factory bike. It should mm, not. It should not, be, it should not be allowed. It should not be possible. A manufacturer like Yamaha or whatever should not. That should not be. Uh, no, it's just yeah, it and there's be lots a of out lots and lots of good riders, even on a smaller scale, that just miss out in rides because there's maybe yeah. somebody that's not as good as them, but they're willing to put thirty or forty grand into the a team. Yeah, all the time they'll have when you're coming up through the EMX and say you've got say that Dega Pro Cross Husqvarna you'll have like um, three guys on there who are all equally good in EMX they probably swap and tangle with different results between the three of them but the one that will go on and do something is the one with the biggest bank account and and it wouldn't necessarily be on talent unless 
it's under, unless you get pulled in through the Red Bull KTM program. That's the only team that actually do it properly. Yeah. Mm. That's the only team that do it properly and they pick riders on their ability and their ta- like what well, I know for fact they actually pick them very scientifically through um knowing what their athletic capabilities are and shit like that. It's bizarre how they do it. They don't necessarily do they? Pick the pra- yeah. They don't now they've not- gone they've gone to the extent where they don't actually pick the fastest riders anymore. There's actually more that goes into the testing behind who they're going to... I didn't gonna, know that at all. Yeah, yeah it's, it's clever how mm. they do it now. They know you, you can do lots of... There's so much, much more science in the behind, you know, behind an athlete now. I think it's uh, mm. it's more it's more to it than the kid who can just swing the throttle wide open, you know? Mm-hmm. But it, as far as I know, it's pretty much only the Red Bull KTM factory team that develop riders through and I don't think financial incentives is a, is not is much to do with you know where you end up but to get that seat you've got to be very special haven't you anyway yeah that's one or two isn't there yeah I think Conrad Muse actually had it didn't he uh, or at least some support yeah and in the one two five and then he had that factory yeah. husky ride he did yeah 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 and that was all through that um, yeah, I, I think you've just got to be quite a special person to get there. But that's how all the teams need to be operating. It's it's like well, like Paulan said, it's sad that people mm. pay for those seats. Like, and then you've got mm. someone like Paulan who's only paid half a million euros a year. And I say only that is that that is nothing for what that guy's doing. Like when you look yeah. in uh, in you know superbikes and Formula One, so half a million is a joke. Yeah, they're earning millions, like in especially like you say, F one. It's a joke. Even in BSB. I know, they're earning millions. Mm. It like it just doesn't make sense. Like you know, I've had I think if you asked all the motocrossers, they'd still rather ride their dirt bike round in circles. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're never really there for the money, are you? It's just No. Just great to go and do that at the weekend. Yeah. yeah for sure for sure I, 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 but I think like I don't know what you feel like John you know when you get to like that elite level like the speed that they're riding at in like the top 10 of MXGP that like that takes so much to be there like oh, I'm you're, talking di- you're dietitians yeah. doctors fucking personal training all the time you know like so mm. much goes into being that sharp and if the 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 reward doesn't weigh up to the risk, then you, you're just not going to do it. And I mean, I'm not going to speak for like someone like Tommy, but I'm pretty sure that that's you know where he's weighed stuff up in his head. It's like it's just not worth it. It is it's, not worth. You can't going really that live a normal for, life either, can you? Like if you're doing no, that GP circuit and no, blah de blah, no. it's that is your life. It's not like, and then I think once you get a young family or whatever. Your interests turn elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Everyone goes through phases, don't they, in life? And and a lot of those guys as well, they've probably never even had, like like you said, where you went out and stuff when you was 18 and enjoyed your life. Yeah. They haven't had that. Ever. Yeah, definitely. You know? Like, it's almost it's, like, a, and it's quite a selfish life, like a motocrosser. You just need to, you always seem to put yourself or the bikes first and it's, mm-hmm. everything's kind of structured around that, so... I yep. guess because it's an addiction yeah <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is so I it guess is. so I guess you get to a point in your life where it's it's not even the the risk that it's not worth it but it's just there's other things that are more important to you yeah 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 
when you go Gosh, through that all re- sounded a bit too the, serious then didn't it rehab of having a child i think having a child in motocross is equivalent to rehab for a crackhead i think <laughs> <laughs> oh god is that what you found happened to you callum yeah 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 just sort of retired the crackhead life and um yeah that's uh, <laughs> oh god so um let's have your thoughts on how you think it's going to pan out next year obviously people are throwing dates out left right and center um there seems to be a lot of planning obviously because we've missed out so much this year but what happens for example if it turns around and goes oh by the way covid's not going anywhere we've got another however many months in lockdown how do you think that's going to pan out Mm, that could be damaging, very damaging. Yeah, I think the, like as far as much as like people go, I'm not taking a vaccine that's been developed. Yeah. It's like right, okay, well, but you're all right to go and bang a load of drugs on your nose on the weekend that Dave's fucking mixed up in his bedroom. <laughs> like, I, I, I'll, I'll, if if this vaccine will get me out of the house, I, I, I'll just give it me now. Like you know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, 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 I, I think we just. Fingers crossed, we can like that. There's something happens that that helps ease situations, even if vulnerable vulnerable people get a bit of help um, mm. first with with stuff like that. And it's the only way that we're going to see normal life again because the 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 the, the um, medical machine won't let it happen any other way. Yeah, the you know big pharmaceutical companies, you know, there's too much invested in all that in all that stuff, and I think we won't see normal life until until that that time. Yeah. How do you think that's going to affect um, the championships and obviously teams and bits and bobs like that? I don't know. What about you, John? Have you had any difficult responses? Yeah, it would just be nice to have a set like a like a set date, uh, or just like Mm. like so you knew exactly what was happening. But it's all just even now they've released the dates, but you're still, as you say, you're still thinking: is it actually going to happen or? everyone's so uncertain of what's going to happen that it's hard to plan in advance yeah and I think for companies and everything that's just the case the only date that's ever certain at the minute is the date you're going to get locked in your house yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's it's tough I think you know it's very tough I I don't know how going into next year I think companies like even myself, like I've really, I've probably, I mean, I'm not going to actually, I'm not going to give the figure on how much I feel that I've lost this year financially, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's five figures. Mm. Um, and that's massive. You know, that, that, that's, that's massive. It's, it's, it could nearly six figures. It, it's massive. And I think that that's scary. You know, mm-hmm. that that's really scary. And that's not just me. And, and there's a lot of people like me who've, you know, had maybe bounce back loans from, loans from the government and this, that and the other, but how long does that last? Yeah. You know, how long does that last? Because a lot of companies are just relying on like what the government are going to do. I, fortunately, I'm okay now and we're working again. Everything's normal, but th- there's a lot of companies that aren't. You know, imagine if like, like you know, pubs and restaurants, cinemas and, you know, and all this mm-hmm. money is all, the, the the whole economy is going to be very very difficult place for any businesses over the next few years. I think. Yeah. Um, I what do you know. think, John? Have you have you had any troubles with work and things like that? Um. 
<laughs> well, not really. I just work in the Gabriel workshop and play on my bike, mm. so uh, <laughs> it's just been business as usual, really. <laughs> even, <laughs> even like the only difference is needing to get COVID tests and printing off forms for yeah, going yeah, abroad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think, yeah, it's not. I've just been lucky that it's not really affected me too much. Even when mm. even when lockdown first happened, I stayed on my pal's farm. They've got a huge farm. And so it was just like it's an isolated life up there anyway. Didn't really see any different. Yeah, like there's acres and acres of land that does nothing. Yeah. Like if you were there on yeah. your bike, nobody would even know you were there. So yeah. we just yeah. just a grass track so that we were sort of safe. Yeah. I try to not have any of my big, big crashes. Um, <laughs> things were good. Yeah, God, he don't want a lodger, does he, up there? Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> on my way. <laughs> it's just scary times what we're facing, isn't it? And I think as far yeah. as dates go and, and stuff, um, we just have to play it by ear. Yeah, it's we? just it's, uncertainty. It's, and like that goes back to the sponsorship as well. Like, I think people, as you say, they don't really know what's going to happen. So they, they're looking after themselves first, quite rightly, rather than helping others. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, yeah, difficult. you've got to, you've got to. Even myself, oh, I mean, I, I've I've always been, you know, always helped out, sponsored riders and stuff, sponsored Josh and, and all other people. And going into next year, I, I am really going to have to sit down and go. Really, my family's got to come first. Oh, definitely. Um, I still want to help people. I don't want to be in a position where I've just pulled back completely. But it's definitely going to change. You know, definitely. I I can't. There's a little girl that I sponsor, Olivia. I buy her bikes and stuff like that. Mm. And and I really, I really am gonna have to look at everything and look at how you know. And I don't want any of them to listen to this and be frightened because I will always take care of them. But it's got to, you know, I've got to weigh weigh things up because I've got a family now. I've got a little boy, and, and definitely this year has has been shocking for me financially. So, mm. um, scary. Really, is scary. So I reckon that will round up episode 21 um, with Mad John and Mr. Callum Swan. Kind of rhymes that, doesn't it, really? Lord Callum Swan, actually, to you. Oh, Christ, there you go. (laughs) I was waiting for that. But no, John, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Swanny, I might ask you again, might not. See how you get on. Hey, that's... That's fine, by the way. That's fine. I just go. I just go with the flow. It was sort of last minute, anyway, wasn't it? I'm like going mountain biking this morning. It's funny. Can you do a podcast? I'm like, never cycled so fast in all my life around that. Oh gosh! No, I enjoyed it. Good.